Right, get this locked down here and then we can start recording. I don't drink generic beer, especially not beer that comes in a almost completely white can. Yeah, well, it's the cheapest brand I could find, ergo the brand I could buy the most of, ergo the greatest volume of hooch we have for you getting as heroically tanked as possible in the shortest amount of time. Oh, it burns. It burns all the way down. I don't know why I've got to do this. I'm sorry, look, the numbers, numbers don't lie. The last episode was incredibly popular entirely down to the fact of your accidental inebriation. We even got new patronage based on it. Hi, Hi Rachel. Rachel. Uh, in effect, the people are paying you to get drunk every episode from now until the end of time. That just doesn't sound healthy. For goodness sake, yeah, health be damned, there's no long term here thinking we're on the internet where every episode is a battle for survival. Now put your, your inefficient highfalutin whiskey behind you, it's in the past, just down that best, worst, most efficient, high drinky, drunky alcohol brain poison down you as fast as you can. Lose the whiskey? No, I, I can't and I won't do it. <sighs> Fine. Just have to settle with the blotter acid I soaked into your lapel mic before. The what? Did you slip me a fast one? That's me, man! You and the phosphorescent monkey face slug that's crawling out of you. Oh. I. I. I see. Yep, that'll do nicely. Roll the theme. Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, brought to you today by Josh Addison and Dr. M. Denton. Hello and welcome to the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, now all drunk all the time. Not actually true, that was just one can of beer, that's not enough for you to get a proper buzz on, is it? I feel fine, I mean, we have a great podcast, it's going to be fantastic. I love you, man. Yeah. Can I have a nap now? No. No, I... Gotta be honest, theatrically drunk M, I don't think is as convincing as genuinely drunk M. It's true, and I was very, very you drunk. You was actually genuinely <laughs> very drunk last episode. Yeah, it was um, It was astounding. I only meant to have a few drinks with Nick and Jamie, mm -hmm. and a few drinks became more than a few drinks, and I, I thought I was a lot soberer I actually was, and then it turned out I really, really wasn't. And you mm. can even tell with my voice I oh, was yes. drunk. There's a there are a couple of just excellent slurs there. At the one point there was the, the are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> and, it was, uh, and for those of you, by the way, um, if you normally only listen to the audio version of this podcast and don't go to the video, which is most of you and quite understandably, quite frankly, uh, you can listen to audio pretty much anywhere, but video takes all of one's attention. I do have to kind of recommend listening, or rather watching the video um, for the, the previous episode because uh, while we didn't get end up getting audio for everything, I was recording video the entire time. Uh, so if you look, the video version is about 10-15 minutes longer is, than the audio version. It basically took us 15 minutes mm. to get through the very first paragraph of the news yep. segment. So there, there, there is the, the drunkest montage you'll see anytime soon. There's a lot of clapping. That video. There's, There's a, a lot, lot of, of clapping. 
yeah. which we don't normally leave in the we usually uh, will put a clap in in between sort of each scene just so there's a mark on the thing for the syncing up of audio and all of that business uh, but we kept them in this time because it was a nice little if you, you can I didn't haven't actually gone through and counted the number of claps in that montage but it's a fair few well I mean I edited the audio and yes there was a lot of clapping mm. I'm glad mm. there was a lot of clapping it made it very easy to cut things together now this is not a justification thing, but a kind of educational thing for mm. those of you at home. When you have speech disfluency like I do, and you get drunk like I frequently do, one of the issues you have when you are drunk without speech disfluency is controlling your speech. And so when you're drunk with speech disfluency, it's actually quite difficult and requires a lot of mental effort to speak in a coherent way. So heroically, mm. I did remarkably I think well you did very outside well. of the scripted mm. sections of last yeah, week. Yeah, that's a whole different bit of mental yeah. activity. But, but so actually, actually reading the script and saying words in a way which aren't meant to be said, mm. that was an experience. It was. But no, I, I, I thought you brought new meaning to the phrase high-functioning, quite frankly. And also assembly, which is a word I found very mm. hard to say. Yes. Well, actually, because I was actually no. to say the word embassy. Yes, you found the word assembly quite easy to say, but <laughs> you were supposed embassy. to be saying embassy. Yeah. 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 Anyway, and that's, uh, much, as the, much as it would be fun to ply you with alcohol every episode, I think long term, not great for your health. And uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe we need a spin-off. Maybe we need to do the, the drunken podcaster's guide to the drunk conspiracy for drunkards. I mean, I mean, normally every Friday I go off on the piss, as we say in Aotearoa. Mm -hmm. So what we need to do is just organise to record podcasts at two o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. That's that Saturday night, mm. or actually Saturday early morning, mm. uh, when I stumble home drunk and see and see what happens. I mm. mean, you. You, you have no call on your home to be around during, during the middle of the night. You could be here at three o'clock in the morning to record a podcast. I could. I just don't think I want to. Then so maybe, you're, then, so you're saying you're not committed to this idea. Well, I don't know. We could have, we could have the, um, the, drunken, the drunken version of the podcast and then for the bonus content, we could record the hungover version of the podcast. That's going to be a Which really be, long episode. Mm, really, mm. really long episode. Or just me being chirpy and you, you strangling me every time I make a loud noise. It's true. And it's very collapsing. tempting. Mm. It's very tempting. Anyway, enough drunken hijinks for now. We should probably record an actual episode for Which this Which we're week. doing right now. Which we are doing. Well, we should record actual content for the actual episode that we're yes. doing right now. Let's move on to the news. Mm. Breaking, breaking, conspiracy theories in the news. So, leading the news, not so much a conspiracy theory as one of our rare cryptozoological news items. A black panther-like cat has been sighted at the top of the South Island of our own fair Aotearoa, New Zealand. ABC, or Alien Big Cat, sightings have been a recurrent feature in parts of the South Island going back over a century. Authorities suspect what the eyewitness saw was a feral cat, but she insists it was a much larger creature. Now, aside from issues to do with what the cat would eat, Aotearoa is not exactly replete with the kind of prey a big cat needs to survive, uh, and the fact that South Island is very cold, 
The biggest issue is the one most ABC sightings face. It turns out that not only are humans very bad at judging the size of things at a distance, we also have an unfortunate tendency to confuse dogs with cats, and so on. Uh, ABC sightings in Australia have often turned out to be feral dog sightings, for example, but given these sightings in the South Island go back over a century, maybe there is something lurking in the bush, just waiting for its prey. Lurking Ooh. indeed. Praying. No. Oh. Um, yeah, there's this sort of thing. It just comes up from time to time, doesn't it? Someone says, oh, I, I, I seen it. I seen a big cat. It's kind of like moa sightings, really. Yes, although, I mean, so there's slightly more plausibility to big cat sightings in the South Island because for a period of time, Westerners in Australia, the UK, and Aotearoa, New Zealand, kind of in the latter part of the last century, kept big cats. Mm. It was a kind of thing there people still did a couple of in big, the 80s. big cat parks around, yeah. but lions, not So hampers. it's always been plausible that these animals could have escaped. The problem is or at long least not term, impossible. Yeah. Mm. Long term, their survival in that kind of environment looks pretty bleak due to A, the lack of food, and B, the weather's not quite right for animals of that particular type. Mm. But they've been sighted for over a century. Mm. And it does make for a fairly interesting cryptozoological story. It does. And as usual, there's, there's all, it's always the Bigfoot thing. It's always a really blurry photo of a, of a cat-shaped blob where it's very difficult to exactly tell, you know, get a sense of distance and scale and so on, which, as we just said, people are tricky, are hard at getting right anyway. Yeah. Now, talking about animals and big animals, mm. the big news this week, and we mean that quite literally, is the suspected Russian military whale found off the coast of Norway. That was a very satisfying sentence to read. Mm. Suspected Russian military whale. Now, last week, a beluga whale approached a fishing a fisting boat? A fisting, a fisting boat. boat. A fisting boat and also a fishing boat mm. near the village of Inga and was discovered to be wearing a harness inscribed with equipment of St. Petersburg. The crew of the vessel found the whale's behaviour curious. It actively sought out the vessel and tried to pull straps and ropes from the sides of the boat. This has raised suspicions among marine experts that the whale had been given military-grade training by Russians. Now, the use of cetaceans by the military is not out of the question. In the 80s, the Russian military recruited dolphins as their vision and memory made them effective at detecting weapons. Whilst it was thought such programs were no longer in operation in Russia, a 2017 report revealed that the Russian Navy had once again been training dolphins along with beluga whales and seals for military purposes along Russia's vast Arctic coastline. Add to this the fact that the US Navy has also trained dolphins and sea lions since the Vietnam War. So whilst Russia is currently denying that said whale is one of their military assets, that may well be a cover-up to cover up a vast citizen naval force just waiting to be activated. Yes, I mean of course there are military dolphins, otherwise where would the one in Johnny Mnemonic have come from? Or the one in Sequest DSV. Mm, exactly. Not Sequest DMV, which is a very different show mm. about a submarine that has to get, yeah. <laughs> has yeah. to get a license. Mm. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's this, again, not, not entirely outside the realms of possibility. Yeah, I, the weird a... thing about the story is Russia's denial, actually, mm. because we know 
that various forces around the world have used cetaceans and big sea mammals in the past for this kind of work. So, I, so actually, I suppose the reason why Russia is denying it is its location. Mm. It's in Norwegian yes. waters, not Russian waters. So it looks a bit suspicious that maybe they're carrying out military operations overseas, or in this case, underseas. Eh, 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 eh? Or maybe they just... You know, maybe it's something they lost and they don't want to look Admit bad for the it, fact yeah. that they can't but can't keep tabs on their weaponized cetaceans. An undercover whale in foreign waters. Don't put equipment of St. Petersburg on the harness. Mm. It really gives it away. It does, yeah. Yeah. Now, finally, as a sort of a bridge between news and an update, Jacob Wall who we've spoken about before when we talked about surefire intelligence, you know, that um, astroturf conservative group that existed purely to smear Robert Mueller with false accusations of sexual impropriety. Um, well, he's back at it again. This time he and his associate Jack Berkman have tried to level false accusations of sexual assault by Democratic presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg. Unfortunately, the people they thought were going to be their willing accomplices thought otherwise. And Wald has been caught on tape plotting Buttigieg's downfall from grace. While uh, Wald and Berkman have formed when it comes to producing fake news stories, back in February they held that press conference where they claimed Ilhan Omar had married her own brother to get him US citizenship. Wald also faked a number of death threats against himself in order to further his claim about being a crusading seeker of truth. All it seems to no avail. He's the boy who cried Wald. No, hang on, that, that doesn't work. No, it really doesn't. That was an awful attempt at a joke, Josh, and I am ashamed of you. Mm, mm. I'm, I'm sorry I wrote it and read it out entirely of my own volition. Um, <laughs> that's, that's the way I like things to go on this podcast. You're responsible. We, we are a libertarian podcast, Joshua. Mm. You are responsible for the words I, I put in your mouth. I complete freedom to read that or not, yes. You did. Um, so, I mean, this, we are not a libertarian podcast. No. This, like... Why do people still listen? I, I guess, no, I, I, I was asking that rhetorically because I know the answer why people do still listen to this guy even though he's been proved full of shit every single time. It's because he's saying stuff people want to hear. Yeah, basically. And people want to be able to repeat even no matter how basis it is. Like, um, uh, other one, every, every time we talk about this guy, I mention the other guy and then I always forget his name and you have to supply it. The guy who took down Acorn with his stupid videos. Of oh, pretending to be Costa? Pen. No, he's, no. A, he's a senator or something. Um that that guy anyway, him as well. He's having dis uh, the, the the worst thing was that his one actually worked, even though it was obviously nonsense. It still did the damage, and Acorn got shut down. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, at least at least people are seeing through Roll much quicker, um, even though he doesn't actually appear to be any more transparently full of shit than the other guy. But um, and he that's keeps not a high on bar. doing the, the same, same thing. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. no there's no if he just creates a new shell company. So first time it was Surefire Intelligence, this time it was Potomac Associates or something of that Potomac. particular stripe. Mm. And basically he got a new accomplice. They did the same thing again. This time round, when they were approached, the people they approached went, this seems a bit shady. I'm going to record them with my phone. Mm. Evolve your strategy. Mm, mm. And also don't do this. Well, yeah, don't do it. Don't do this. Place. But if you are going to do this, evolve your strategy. Read some Machiavelli. Mm. You're meant to be political masterminds on, on the right. Read some Machiavelli. I keep hearing the phrase, it's Fredo's all the way down. Fredo in reference to the Godfather. Um, as opposed to the as little, opposed to little chocolate frog yeah, things, yeah. yeah. I'd much prefer if it was Fredos all the way down. But no. <laughs> that would be fantastic. But yes, it, yes, it, it turns out that in... in um, the alt-right at the moment, it seems everyone's the Fredo. 
Have you seen The Godfather? A long time yes. ago. Um, I've, I don't know if I've seen the whole thing, but I've seen all the bits that people refer to. So, yes. Anyway, so, so that was, as we say, it was sort of, sort of a new and sort of an update. It was a new incident, but a repeat of one we've seen before. But, um, but it's a nice bridge for what's coming mm, up next. Which is the actual updates. Um, and the retractions, although there are no retractions this week. It's just updates. Yes. Updates. And retractions. A flurry of updates this week, a lot of them mercifully brief. Indeed, the first of them being that, you'll recall that we covered uh, Nikki Hager and John Stevenson's book Hit and Run and the subsequent in inquiry as to whether New Zealand soldiers were involved in a massacre in Afghanistan. So the heads of the inquiry into that massacre, titled Operation Burnham, is that supposed to have some significance or is it, were they just due to get a B name in their latest. There's a lot of naming cyclones. Anyway. Yeah. Um, it said that it's unlikely they'll question the Afghani villages where the attack was said to have occurred. So the inquiry looks a little like a cover-up, given it's not going to interview witnesses who aren't members of the New Zealand Armed Forces. Ostensibly this is because travel to Afghanistan is considered unsafe, but, you know, we seem to have some experienced military personnel who worked there in our armed services, and, were, and we were working with other armed services over there. Surely we could get a bit of protection if we needed. Now, another local update, this time on the seeming rise of white supremacism on the campus of the University of Auckland, which happens to be both of our alma maters. Hmm. There was a hui, a meeting, on this on the 1st of May, and while strong words were said to condemn white supremacism on campus, these words were largely those of the affected students. The administration not only refused to get involved, but one of the white supremacists actually spoke at the hui, claiming he was the real victim. So the wave of progressivism we thought would come out of the country's generally good response to the attack back in March has stalled already. Isn't the status quo grand? That was you actually being sarcastic. It was time. me being good. sarcastic. Good. I was going to otherwise... That would be that would really, be really dark waters, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, but let's continue in that vein with more white supremacism. Yay! The, um, the first conviction related to the terror attack of March 15th has been recorded. One Philip Arp, who ran a Nazi-themed Nazi -themed insulation business. That's it's an true. odd thing to say, but it's yeah, true. It's the true. Dude, um, 1488 a metre. Yeah. And Literally. the um, symbol on the side of his van was something that had been associated with Nazism or something yeah. in the past as yeah. well. So he wasn't actually hiding it particularly well. Uh, but anyway, uh, this man has been convicted of sharing the live stream of the Otutahi mosque shootings. Mr. Apu has prior convictions related to his love of white supremacy, such as dumping a pig's head outside a mosque. Classy. Yep. Uh, reportedly told police when he was questioned about sharing the live stream video that quote, I could not give a fuck, mate. Uh, indeed, he even asked a friend if they could add crosshairs to the video and add in a kill counter so it would be more, quote unquote, fun to share with people on the internet. Super classy. He's yet to be sentenced, but could face up to 14 years hard porridge. Yep. Hard late labour cheese In porridge. good old chokey. In chokey slash pokey. No, that's... I don't know my present terminology, but that's 14 years is the important point. Yeah, uh, don't really have any sympathy for him whatsoever. No, it, it is quite difficult uh, to, to muster any up. So, yeah, let's just move on. Yeah. So another update on the aftermath of those terror attacks back in March. The media have banded together, it's the media here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, and agreed upon protocols for reporting the trial of the accused terrorist. 
Namely, they will limit coverage of anything that actively champions white supremacist or terrorist ideology. They will not broadcast or report on any message, imagery, symbols, or signals made by the accused or his associates, which is taken to promote or support white supremacist ideology. And the journalists reporting the trial will be senior reporters. One thing the media has also decided upon is the use of the terrorist name. They will use it in their reports because they want to treat him like any other accused criminal in our system. Now, we here at the podcaster's guide to the conspiracy will not be using his name, which is something which will surely bite us in the bottom eventually. Well, I don't know. It's we're we're not a news organisation, so I suppose we're not required to. But I see they they have already. There, there were sort of immediately a few think pieces not liking this immediately enough that they probably hadn't actually read the yeah, full content that, that of the one protocols. On Politico being a particularly. Mm good example of being outraged at self-censorship and not actually discussing the limits of the self-censorship the protocol describes, which is the trial will be reported upon, just that people are going to go out of their way to make sure that any white supremacist dog whistles don't get repeated in the news. And that seems Doesn't just seem like, like standard, a bad thing, yeah. cautious journalism. And then the political piece kind of self-destructs itself by going, you know, these people could be making their own decisions independently to do this. The fact they're banding together is suspicious. Okay, so, so if they did it on their own, it would be fine. But if they do the it as an that agreement, that's to suspicious. get a consistent approach. Yeah, yeah. That, that seems as if you're trying to have it both ways, Politica. Anyway, mm. that's what I'm going to all. say. Yeah, yeah, I think that's all anyone needs to say. Um, but we're going to move on to the main content of this week's episode, which is kind of based on another article that I think could be best described also as silly. Yeah. It's not a not a particularly um, respectable, I suppose, but I'm getting ahead of myself. We should jump into the main content now. Right, so today we're going to be looking at an article called The Deep State's Last Stand, The Transgender Baphomet Agenda in New Zealand's Wonderland. By one Sam Groth or Groth, Groth. we don't actually quite know how mm. this person's last name is pronounced. Uh, this is an article that actually came out halfway through last year, so I yep. think June, July June, of 2018. Yep. It's meant to be a three-part piece, which is why I've been sitting on it for a while, because parts one and two came out very quickly. Part three has yet to eventuate, and actually it's quite good we've waited this long mm. to do it, because at the end of part two, in the comments section, as of the end of last month, suddenly people asking, so where's part three, mate? I don't know where part three is. And Sam has responded saying, oh, I had a bit of a falling out with the person who runs this blog, which is called The Marshall Report. And then the person who runs the blog said, no, 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 you had a falling out with me. I didn't have a falling out with you. And so it seems like there might be a little bit of trouble at the source there, which is why part three never eventuated. So we'll never quite know where this was meant to go. But where it started and where it got to halfway through in part, in part two of three... Kind of fascinating. Kind of interesting, yes. I mean, basically, this is QAnon stuff. Um, but but, but applied to New Zealand but politics. But not written by someone who lives here. Mm. Someone who is interviewing people over the internet from the US about here. Yeah. 
So um, it starts by talking about um, Alice's adventures in Wonderland. Um, A, so they can make going down the rabbit hole style uh, portentous mumblings, and B, so they can bring up the fact that um, uh, what's-his-face Lewis Carroll does seem to have been a little bit pedophile and was disturbingly close to the real Alice upon whom the book is based. Um, and he ends up actually quoting a QAnon one, which is Q equals Alice. You'll soon understand the meaning behind Alice and Wonderland with the ampersand and quote marks, just because it's QAnon. Everything has meaning, God bless Q. Um, so yes, they, they sort of set that up a little bit, but then start talking about our own Prime Minister, one Jacinda Ardern. Um, talks about her, her sort of her socialist... Um, early socialist leanings, uh, again makes the mistake of, uh, and I assume if this guy's not from New Zealand, then maybe it's slightly more understandable, if not understanding how uh, proportional representation works by again making it, trying to make it sound dodgy that uh, the Labour government formed a coalition with two other parties to form the current government. But anyway, <clears throat> um, so it talks about Jacinda, talks about Jacinda, talks about Jacinda, uh, and then says that she's actually a man. Ah because yes, the old, the old Michelle powerful Obama woman is secretly thing. a man. Thing. Yeah. So I mean, this is this is almost a cliche now when it comes to um, uh, takedowns of of famous slash influential women. Um, yeah, uh, Michelle. Th this article specifically mentions Michelle Obama and Amal Clooney um, as being people who are well known to be secretly men. But it's it's been a a not uncommon accusation mentioned against any sort of powerful woman uh, that the person might not like. It is, of course, obviously deeply misogynistic and transphobic, um, and 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 just sort of generally icky. Um, but it's possibly not surprising, I suppose, that a woman who's in a position of power and who's been receiving international acclaim... A position, Josh, that should be occupied by a man. Well, because yes, Because there's yes, also yes. the sexist aspect here, which is the claim that women, women just aren't suited for the political space. So the only people who could be successful there would be men pretending to be women. Mm. Seems to be the kind of reasoning that goes on there as well. And and just the whole sort of sort of old gay agenda, transgender agenda. Is there a transgender agenda? Because that just that just rolls off the tongue. I like that. There probably is. Mm. It's also pro 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 probably a trans fat trans trans agenda. Mm. Um, that, that, that to that to get you know there, there's some sort of conspiracy to get trans people into positions of power because the the, the transgendered want to take over the world. I guess, and frankly, because I say let us. Mm. Uh, anyway, so then it gets on to, and I use this term in the loosest sense possible, evidence. Um, they, they basically, the only appeal, th th there's a particular video of uh, Jacinda Ardern and a bunch of government ministers walking through what I assume is the Beehive, the Houses of Parliament in New Zealand, uh, to a press conference. Now, in this video, she's wearing a, a slightly diaphanous dress, which under the lighting has gone a little bit see-through to the fact to the point where you can actually see her underwear. Um, and people claim that there is a bulge in her underwear, where a bulge should not be on a woman, jiggling around. It's people who have, have um, taken a, a quite frankly distasteful interest um, in our Prime Minister's groin, claim that what they're seeing there is evidence of male genitalia. See, I'm just thinking of JFK back and, and to, to the left. left. Yes. Back and to the left. Back so, and to the left. So, yeah. Back and... 
to the left. The... I keep expecting right to come out just to keep left. us on our toes. No. So I'm just thinking of that scene in the critic where oh, they go, the, the, yes, the director's, yeah, the director's cut, cut of JFK yeah. and it's just more Kevin Costner sitting back into the left yeah. over and over again, yes. Um, now, I mean, with, with some degree of distaste, I watched the video. Um, I don't know what to say. Well, as... We all know who's watched the most distasteful video on this yes, podcast. Yes, exactly. So, so I, I really shouldn't, can't be complaining. Um, look, I, I'm, I, I have no desire to discuss our Prime Minister's junk, quite or frankly. Or to spend such a long period, of time, a long period of time analysing video because of it. basically, it's, just like the Michelle Obama thing, mm. you take a freeze frame, and yes, you'll get a fold that looks like it might be a penis pushed to one side. Or indeed a, a, a shadow the, that looks yeah. like it might be an Adam's apple. Or... That's the freeze frames are of course going to make bulges look as if they're physical objects. Then, then when you see them in motion, they disappear because it's a natural flow of cloth across a body. Yeah. So anyway, so, so this is the thing that people jumped on. And it all sort of sort of comes from here. Now, the thing I do find a little bit interesting is the way you've got one of these cases where they sort of start on a direction based on a single bit of evidence, but God damn it, they're on that direction and they're not going to get derailed, even when they start sort of bringing up their own objections to their own position. So sort of first of all, obviously, if Jacinda Ardern is actually a man, then that whole pregnancy thing um, has has to be brought up. Why? Well, actually, let's not get into the why. First of all, it's like, okay, hang on, if Jacinda Ardern is secretly a man, um, then how come she got pregnant a while ago? And said, well, okay, well, obviously it must have been a fake pregnancy. And so there's discussion of the sorts of, of fake baby bumps you can get, and, and obviously these things do exist for movies and, and, and the occasional sad, unfortunate hoax that and one reads one about thing on the to internet. Note here. So because this is over almost a year old now, it's kind of missing out on the latest advance in the the turf version of the trans conspiracy theory, which is that via organ donation, transgendered people are going to get uteruses oh, from women yes, inserted in them if they mm. only waited eight more months. They said, "Oh, it's she's having a baby, but it's because they put a uterus in a someone's man's uterus. body." Yes. Yeah. Um, so they get into that and. Um, so, so first of all, so you know the, the fact that this person who they're claiming uh, is secretly a man has supposedly fallen pregnant and given birth. They say, oh, no, that, no, no obstacle there. It was a fake pregnancy. The baby came from who the hell knows where. It's adopted. It's stolen. It's and so on. Whatever. Um, then the objection that they're forced to consider is why, like if you want to have this person have a child and yet they're not actually capable of becoming pregnant, why not just say they adopted? Why, you know, why go to the trouble of faking a whole pregnancy which could be exposed at any time? It's a good question, and Joshua. How do they answer that? Well, that's when things get wonky. Um, so they weren't already wonky before this point. Sorry, yes, you, you were, uh, good point. Here's where things get wonkier. Here's things where things get really wonky because up until now it's kind of been just sort of run-of-the-mill misogyny slash transphobia. Um, at this point, it, it, 
we, we start, um, good, good old Baphomet comes up, the, the Satanist, um, the, the, the whole, whole sort of goat-headed, angel-winged thing. And we start, it's, it's not just a transgender agenda, it's a Baphomet transgender agenda. Um, it's, it's, it's Satanism, it's your good old-fashioned QAnon secret pedophile child abuse sex slavery As run by Helen Clark, I believe. As run by Helen Clark, yes, so I, I, skipped, I skipped ahead, um, in a chronological reading of the article, because before they get onto the the whole transgender stuff, they also have to have a crack at Helen Clark, who um, throughout her prime ministership, there were always rumours about her being a lesbian. I don't know if they're true or not. It doesn't bloody matter. No. Um, she also like them. I've met her husband, and he's grand. He is Sorry, not husband. Well, exactly. Partner. Yeah, I mean, there was the thing like she is married. Um, and no, no, in her, yeah, no, you're right. They, they uh, yeah, are actually married. Yeah, it was yeah, before yeah, civil sorry. unions. And yeah, sorry. It's, it's one thing she, she said after the civil U, U, union act, she would have preferred a civil mm. union had it been available at the time. But um, Helen Clark did famously at one point, I don't know if it was in an interview, it might have been in her in an autobiography or a biography of her, mentioned the fact that she hated the fact that she got married. I think she basically got married because you couldn't be an unmarried woman in the political climate of the time. It, it wasn't sort of the done thing. She did, she uh, talked about being in tears on her wedding day because it wasn't a thing she wanted to do, it was a thing she had to do, which immediately sort of got people saying, oh, so it was a sham marriage all along and so on and so forth. But um, so they, they, they did a bit of that. I, it almost sort of felt obligatory, really. It's like, well, we're talking about women in New Zealand politics. We have to bring up the the the, the, the claims that Helen Clark was a lesbian. It doesn't really go anywhere. They just kind of put it in there just kind of to be dicks, really. Um, but that's kind of where part two of the article ends with the idea. Part one, you mean. Sorry, like where part one of the article ends with the the introduction of this Baphomet Satanist transgender um, conspiracy. So, M, tell us about part two. Give us give us the good stuff. <sighs> so, part two, which came out a few weeks after part one, starts off with celebrity suicides. Now, yes, it does. Funny fact. Mm? I think I've brought this up on the podcast before, but. I was in the neighbouring town to Cologne the week that Anthony Bourdain committed suicide. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not making any claim of any kind that I'm connected to that event. Because I'm not, obviously. I'm not connected to it. But it is interesting that I was in Karlsruhe, which is only a few hours' drive from Cologne across the border in Germany. But the author of this, Sam, makes a really big thing about celebrity suicides, because apparently... Every celebrity suicide is due to the celebs investigating claims of elite pedophile networks operating the highest echelons of Hollywood or whatever celebrity hotspot you have and government and either committing suicide because of what they found out or being killed by government agents to make sure they don't spread the news about the terrible things that Hollywood celebs and government agents get up to. Well, obviously. I mean, the idea that Robin Williams, for example, lost a lifelong and well-publicised and documented battle with depression uh, can't be true in any way. He must have been murdered by celebrity, celebrity pedophiles. pedophiles. It's the only possible explanation. And so this then gets linked back to Baphomet via, of all people, James Matthew Barry. Now, if you're thinking, I know that name, it's because James you Barry. know him as the author of Peter Pan. Mm -hmm. 
a rather interesting story about childlike innocence being expressed by adults living in a place called Neverland. And actually, I'm surprised they don't do the whole mm. Michael Jackson connection there. But yeah, they actually managed to leave him out of it, don't they? Maybe like, he would have been in part yeah, three. Yeah. And also, MJ is a bigger story now mm. than maybe he was back yes, actually, in, June in June of, of last year. Of, yeah. of last year. Now, there has always been scuttlebutt about J.M. Barry and his relationship with the Davies kids, who he kind of based the story of Peter Pan about so and with, told um, to. Uh, Alice Liddell and and uh, what's his face? Charles Charles Charles, Do- Charles Dobson. There's actually much, there's there's better evidence that that probably that probably Lewis Carroll was a bit dodge mm. with El. El-, 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 El- Alice Liddell. There's actually not much evidence other than a few rumours around the place that Barry had a dodgy relationship with any of the Davies' children, to the point where the Davies' children in their lifetime actually said, no, he always appeared to be a very innocent man, but didn't actually appear to do anything. Now, it's by the by, Barry may or may not have been a pedophile, but this article really goes, he was, and basically... Baphomet and all of that satanic stuff is emblematic of the kind of literature being produced at that time, where Peter Pan is Pan, and Pan, of course, is the old English devil character. Ipso facto, Peter Pan is Baphomet. Obviously. Yeah, quite obviously. And then, in one paragraph, it goes from that to making the claim the real purpose of the Hadron Collider at the CERN Institute in Geneva is, let me quote here, to poke holes in unknown dimensions using the Hadron Super Collider to bring forth Osiris or the Antichrist. I saw an interesting, and when I say interesting, I mean... eh video on YouTube the other day by someone, it was basically the Mandela effect, claiming that um, that it's because CERN is causing alternate timelines resulting in the Mandela effect, and it was the whole... You mean the Mengele effect? Indeed. The uh, uh, Darth Vader saying, Luke, I am your father, versus no, I am your father. What about that scene with Darth Vader and Luke cross the ravine on a rope and they kiss? Mm, that one as well. Yeah. Uh, but yes, this was isn't taken... The Me- isn't the Mengele effect fascinating? It is, and the Berenstain Bears come up as well. But yes, so it's interesting that, 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 that those wacky guys at CERN, they're up to some fun stuff. It's true, I remember when they first turned on the Hadron Collider, people were concerned it would produce miniature, or what they call micro-black holes, which would eat the Earth from the inside out, mm. leading to our eventual dome. That would solve climate change. It sure would. It would solve it by changing the climate or belief forever yes. and also destroying From the existent Earth. to non-existent. Yeah. That's, you can't get more of a change. Now, it then moves from this Baphomet James Barry celebrity suicide thing back to Aotearoa, New Zealand, by then complaining about the fact that we are a secular nation and that people just don't care about Judeo-Christianity here in any particular respect, which kind of goes to show the author is American because mm. they're kind of surprised that religion doesn't play a big part in our politics. And by it doesn't play a big part in our politics, religion really doesn't play a part in our politics at all. It's controversial mm. that we have a prayer for the opening of it parliament. Is, yeah. uh, 
if you are religious and you're a member of parliament, you go to great lengths to separate your religious beliefs from your political beliefs because New Zealanders, by and large, don't want politicians informed by their religious beliefs. They want their beliefs to be formed by arguments for or against a political position, which is why when Bill English was prime minister, and Bill English is a staunch Roman Catholic who opposes abortion, he always defended abortion on... No, he always fought against abortion, didn't defend mm. abortion, uh, on ethical grounds, not, not on religious, religious grounds. Mm. But anyway. And then they do a really big thing of not only is our country quite secular, but Jacinda Ardern used to be a Mormon. She did. And now she's not a Mormon anymore. Isn't that suspicious that someone might lose their faith and still turn out to be a decent human being capable of running a country? Hmm. Yes, I mean, uh, uh, officially, Jacinda Ardern has said that she abandoned her Mormon faith because you couldn't reconcile it with the um, uh, position on homosexuality, yeah. I think it was at the time. Which, once anyway. again, is a case of we want our politicians to have arguments based upon evidence and beliefs which aren't religious-based, and Jacinda Ardern is a great example of a politician who went, can't reconcile my religious beliefs with my political beliefs, the religious mm, beliefs are the ones that are going to have to go. Mm, mm. And that's basically where it ends, because part three, as we said at the beginning, has never eventuated due to a falling out between Sam and the person who runs the blog. Any indication of where it might have been going? Or frankly, where it's gone already, it could probably bounce off into pretty much any yeah, direction. Yeah, uh, given how stream of consciousness, I think, is, is a good yeah, description. Yes, yes, actually, yeah. The first two parts are, it could have literally gone to Mars. They could have mm. brought in an Andy Bishago that actually was a mission to Mars. Barack and Obama, Ardern yeah. was with young Barry Obama on Mars back in the 60s because of the whole time travel thing. And maybe the Baphomet statue they draw their power from is located in one of the craters on Mars. And that's where the trans people are with their uteruses. Who knows? Mm. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, Q knows. Does it though? Well, does it? Well, probably not. But it's, so, I mean, this this started with references to QAnon, favourable ones, ones that <clears throat> suggested the author is entirely on board with whatever it is that QAnon is selling, um, and it it seems to sort of fit in with a lot of the the, the wider QAnon thing of of uh, celebrity, political, pedophile rings, and so on and so forth. Does it does part two? Is part two particularly QE, or does he just sort of use that as the starting point? And I think it is mostly the starting mm. point. Although, but if we're going to talk about QE stuff... I was going to, yes. We should talk about the new New Zealand party. Not the New Zealand party, the new New mm. Zealand party. So, yes, moving on from this one article to other QAnon-y uh, occurrences in recent, the New Zealand... Recent, recent QAnon recent, stuff. Yeah in the New Zealand political landscape. Um, the new New Zealand party, uh, but basically it was noted that they had been, I don't know, specifically posting QAnon stuff themselves, but approvingly retweeting uh, QAnon-y stuff. Who the hell are the New Zealand new New Zealand party? So many moons ago, and it feels like many moons ago, it was really only about two electoral cycles ago, there was the Conservative Party. Sounds familiar. Was that Colin Run Craig's? by Colin, Colin Craig, Craig. Yep. the person who was interviewed by David Farrier in a sauna 
and Colin Craig wore a woolen suit for the interview, whilst David Ferrier has to keep on removing clothes. Still one of the greatest political interviews in our mm. country's history, and that kind of shows you the kind of benign political space we exist in. Yes. Where the leader of a political party gets interviewed in a sauna, wearing a suit, with someone who is stripping naked throughout the interview. Mm. Wonderful country. Uh, now, Colin Craig and the Conservatives had a bit of an issue, and that turns out that Colin Craig was having, if not a physical affair, an emotional affair with his secretary at the time, which kind of got contentious two weeks out from the election, which then caused news stories and caused a kind of mor moral opprobrium against Colin Craig and the Conservatives because they were meant to be the Conservative Christian Party in our mm. country. And suddenly it turned out the person running the party was not showing good Christian values. Now, the Conservatives have relaunched themselves as the new Conservatives, and they already have a splinter group, the New New Zealand Party, who think that the new Conservatives, who thought that the Conservatives were too liberal, uh, the new 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 Zealand Party, I've used the word new there too many mm. times, it's just one of those things, yep. think that the new Conservatives are too liberal. And thus the new New Zealand Party has turned out to be the QAnon Party, in that they're now endorsing QAnon messages, such as Jacinda Ardern is working with Emmanuel Macron. France? Yes, right. we're working with the French. Who, I will point out, are the only country in recent memory to commit a terrorist attack on our soil, or in this case, in our harbour. Mm, mm. uh, working with Macron on just generally furthering the cause of socialism? Yes. In a, Emmanuel Macron, who's of course well-loved by the workers of France, mm, as mm. the Yellow Vest the movement is jaune. currently showing. Mm. Uh, and also, Trump is the greatest president, he's draining the swamp. It just seems to be a lot of QAnon stuff coming out from the new New Zealand party. And I don't think it's going to be a very successful electoral gambit for them. Because don't... A, QAnon's actually not that well known no, in this country. No. And B, the people who do know it kind of spend most of their time laughing at it rather than applauding with it. Yes, no, I don't see it being a massive vote winner, being, no, being the QAnon really. party in New Zealand, no. Nevertheless, interesting to see. Yes. And by interesting, I mean... Yeah. I'm actually now following the new New Zealand party on Twitter to see what other hijinks they might produce for us, because I think if they manage to survive long enough to get to the next election before imploding, which is mm. probably the most likely story given how fractious their beginning was, they may well be the most interesting campaign that no one pays any attention to apart from us. Mm. They and Andy Bishago could keep us going next year quite nicely when we'll have a US election and a local election to mm. deal with. Mm. Ooh la la, shori. Did the Libertarians still exist as a political party? In New Zealand? No, I actually have I no heard anything from them. They but didn't stand mean... on the North Shore. Mm. And I didn't really, I just looked for the Greens for my party votes. I didn't really look. The Logic Party stood on the North Shore. That's the anti 1080 party. Right. 
and I know ACT are currently going through a rejig, which may turn them into the white supremacist alt-right party from the looks mm. of it, but we'll know more about that next year. Indeed. I do remember one year the Libertarians forgot to apply to be a, for their political party funding or whatever. They, they didn't do the paperwork, and so he ended up being unable to stand in the election, which a Libertarian workmate of mine spun as... Yeah, this is how little control over your lives they want. They they don't even properly engage with the bureaucracy of government. That's how that's how little time for government they have. Good for them. Yeah. If they don't want to run in elections, I'm happy for them not to run in Indeed, elections. Indeed, they are free to not one run in elections. Precisely. In, in fact, actually, makes for a better political mm. landscape if they're off just doing their own thing. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I think we've come to the end of an episode. Now, normally this is the point where we say um, coming up next is the bonus content and talk a little bit about what is going to be in the bonus content. But this week, we've done something something out of the ordinary, something mad and crazy. In fact, you may have noticed listening to this episode that the sound is slightly different than normal. And there's hopefully, a bit of panning going on. better than normal, one would hope. Well, yes, we'll I see. mean, with the panning and the fact that now we're using two mics rather than one. We were using two mics before, but they were for a single mono source. Now we've got two mono inputs to make stereo. 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 New sound. Stereo. Mm. We've gone back to the beginning. And to test going back to the beginning, we recorded the bonus content before the main content. Which is wow. just amazing. Mm. Uh, which means we also spent a lot of time doing the patron content, going, we have even recorded the main episode, was it good? Mm. Now, now you'll, you'll know. know. Yep. Uh, so anyway, so, so ra rather than saying what's going to be in the bonus content, we I guess we'll say what, what was, what was yeah. in the bonus content. Josh, tell us what was in the bonus content. Oh gosh, content. we talked about um, the US Navy and UFO sightings. Uh, we talked about the fact that Fan Bingbing, who disappeared in China last year, uh, is now back in the limelight. We talked a little bit about the Sri Lanka bombings, and we talked a little bit about um, Scientologists with the measles. We did, and they're mm. crazy, crazy boat boats. Mm. Um, so if you would like to hear about those topics, um, tune in for the, the bonus content for this week, which you can listen to if you're a patron. And if you're not... We'll see you again next week for more exciting content in stereo. 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 Although it is now making me think of... Oh, no, I've forgotten the name of the band. Pumping on your stereo. Oh, Can you hear us uh, pumping stereo on your stereo? No, pumping, no. pumping on your stereo. I know the band. Britpop. Britpop, pumping yeah. Pumping on the stereo. I actually quite, quite like them too, and now I can't remember their name. Hmm. It'll come to me as soon as we stop recording. Because one of their music videos is filmed in Port Merion, where The Prisoner was filmed, and reenacts key scenes from The Prisoner. Fabulous. Bye. Goodbye. You've been listening to the podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, starring Josh Addison and Dr. M.R. Extenter which is written, researched, recorded, and produced by Josh and M. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron via its Podbean or Patreon campaigns. And if you need to get in contact with either Josh or M, you can email them at podcastconspiracy at gmail.com or check their Twitter accounts, Mikey Fluids and Conspiracism.
And remember, it's just a step to the left.